Hello, and welcome to the Mormon History Podcast. Episode 1.4, What We Believe, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb, and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, 1-5 In that story, a leader of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, approaches Jesus by night, seeking to question him about his teachings. Perhaps he didn't quite understand what Jesus spoke, but he did know that Jesus was a true teacher sent from God. In John chapter 7, he defends Jesus before the Sanhedrin, a council of Jews. After Christ died, he took up spices to the burial. He became a disciple of Jesus Christ. A disciple, according to the Bible dictionary, is a pupil or learner, and can usually mean a follower. It is used to denote the apostles, and also all followers of Christ. What we learn as followers of, followers of Christ is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the subject of today's episode. I will again quote from the Bible Dictionary, but before I do, I will read the introduction to the Bible Dictionary. This dictionary provides a concise collection of definitions and explanations of Bible topics. It is based primarily on the biblical text, supplemented by information from the other standard works. A variety of doctrinal, cultural, and historical subjects are treated. A short summary is included for each book of the Bible. Many of the entries draw on the work of Bible scholars and are subject to re-evaluation as new research or revelation comes to light. This dictionary is provided to help you with the study of the scriptures and is not intended as an official statement of church doctrine or an endorsement of the historical or cultural views set forth. The Bible Dictionary can be found along with the topical guide in the LDS version of the King James Bible. The word gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ has made a perfect atonement for mankind and will redeem that will redeem all mankind from the grave and, re, and reward each individual according to his or her works. The atonement has begun, has, was begun by his appointment in the pre-mortal world, but was worked out by Jesus. Uh, was worked out by Jesus during his mortal so- sojourn. Therefore, the records of his mortal life and events pertaining to his ministry are called the Gospels. The four that are contained in the Bible are represented are presented under the names of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In today's episode, we will not be discussing the Gospels in the sense of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John but rather we will be discussing the good news of the atonement. I'd like to share a story from my mission, found on my mission blog under February 17, 2014 entry. This entry contains my letter for the week that my mom so graciously put into this blog. It reads, In our district meeting, sometimes something really special happened, and I want to share it with you. Elders Crossland and Fernandes, our zone leaders, prepared treats for us. On a table were two different kinds of cake, and they made little cups of Skittles with Ferrero Rocher truffles. 
So the entire zone was super suspicious, wanting the treats but not sure what they had to do to get them. And then they asked Elder Jansen to come to the front of the room. I suppose they had chosen him, and he had agreed before the meeting began. Elder Croslin turned to him and asked, Elder Jensen, would you do ten push-ups so that Elder Paiva could have some candy? He really wants it. We were already confused now, questioning why it had to be Elder Jensen and not Elder Paiva. But Elder Jensen replied, I will. And he did ten push-ups. Elder Croslin and Elder Paiva got, set, gave Elder Paiva his treat, and then turned again to Elder Jensen. Elder Jensen, would you do fifteen push-ups so that Elder Richens can have his treat too? Elder Jensen replied, I will and he did 15 push-ups. I got my treat, but I did not eat it, too occupied with watching the demonstration. Elder Jensen, would you do 20 push-ups to give Elder Ryman a treat? I will. And it continued like this for more than a half hour, until almost everyone had their treat. Elder Jensen was obviously in pain, but he continued to shoulder the ever-growing burden of pain or debt. Sweat dripped down his face, and occasionally one of us would ask, Can we give him some water? Can we give him a towel? Can we encourage him? Can we give him rest? Elder Crosin replied to each of her pleas with the same response. He, need, he needs to do it alone. Finally, everyone had a treat except for one. Elder Crosin, on his knees, with a comforting hand on Elder Jensen, asked one more time, Would you do 15 push-ups for me? Elder Jensen replied, I will. And it was finished. The whole zone was in tears as we talked about how we were feeling. Many of us said that it wasn't worth the candy to see him go through that. Or, I wanted to take his place, but I couldn't. Only he could shoulder our burden. The meaning of the exercise was clear. It was only through the atonement of Jesus Christ that we can be happy. He was rejected, spit upon, cast out, bound, scourged, betrayed, forgotten, and denied. He bled from every pore. He was humiliated and persecuted, nailed to a cross, left alone by all. And why? Because he loves us. I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the love that he so fully, so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified. For that a sinner, he suffered and bled and died. Oh, it is wonderful that he would care for me, enough to die for me. I know that Jesus Christ, a God himself, descended to earth to live a perfect spotless life so that he could be the great and last sacrifice to pay for our sins, mistakes, pains, and sorrows. His suffering could only be complete after the Father withdrew his spirit, leaving Jesus Christ fully, completely, utterly alone. After this, he had to experience death of the physical kind, of the most despicable and painful way possible, so that he could know how the rest of us would feel. And then it was finished. But he did not rust. Jesus Christ next went to the spirit world, working there, too, until it was time for him to do the seemingly impossible and overcome physical death. Christ lives because of him, we can live too. We need not suffer pains, afflictions, sins, or even death, because someone a lot greater already did. This is a grand message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that through faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end, we can receive our reward, which is to benefit from the, God, the atonement of Jesus Christ, and receive freedom from sin and death. It is only possible through strict obedience and fierce loyalty to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Firm and unwavering, we must constantly try to be like Christ, for it is the only way that we, may, can, be, we can be eternal families, that is, never to be separated after death, and be exalted and to one day live with our Father in heaven, being perfected, exalted, godly beings. 
So in order to partake of the benefits of the atonement, we must follow these five basic steps. Faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. First is faith. An apostle of the Lord, Neil L. Anderson, said, Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not something ethereal, floating loosely in the air. Faith does not fall upon us by chance or stay with us by birthright. It is, as the scriptures say, substance, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, faith emits a spiritual light, and that light is discernible. Faith in Jesus Christ is a gift from heaven that comes as we choose to believe and we, we seek it and hold on to it. Your faith is either growing stronger or becoming weaker. Faith is a principle of power, important not only in this life but also in our progression towards beyond the veil. By the grace of Christ, we will one day be saved through faith on his name. The future of your faith is not by chance, but by choice. End quote. This is found in the October 2015 General Conference. Another apostle, Richard G. Scott, said in the 2000, October 2010 General Conference, When faith is properly understood and used, it has dramatically far-reaching effects. Such faith can transform an individual's life from mundane, common, everyday activities to the symphony of joy and happiness. The exercise of faith is vital to the Father in Heaven's plan of salvation. But true faith, faith unto salvation, is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in His doctrines and teachings, faith in the prophetic guidance of the Lord's anointed, faith in the capacity to discover hidden characteristics and traits that can transform life. Truly, faith in the Savior is a principle of action and power. End quote. Faith is so powerful that if we have faith, anything is possible. And the power of faith is being able to draw upon the powers of heaven. According to Preach My Gospel, faith in Christ leads to action. It leads to sincere and everlasting and lasting repentance. Having faith causes us to try hard as we can to learn about and become more like our Savior. We want to learn what His commandments are and then obey them. Even though we still make mistakes, we show our love for Him by striving to keep His commandments and avoid sin. End quote. This leads to repentance. Repentance isn't just feeling remorse, nor is it just a confession of our sins. Repentance is a process with moving parts. It involves recognizing that you are sinning, stop sinning, confessing, asking for forgiveness, correcting the situation, or making amends, and forsaking the sin forever. To quote Preach My Gospel again, quote, To repent, we, we recognize our sins and feel remorse, or godly sorrow. We confess our sins to God. We may also confess, confess very serious sins to God's authorized church leaders who can help us repent. We ask God in prayer to forgive us. We can do all we can to correct the problems our actions may have caused. This is called restitution. As we repent, our view of ourselves and the world changes. As we change, we recognize that we are children of God and that we need not continue making the same mistakes over and over. If we sincerely repent, we turn away from our sins and do them no more. We resist the desire to commit sin. Our desire to follow God grows stronger and deeper. End quote. After we repent, forgiveness will come. It comes from God, from others, and from ourselves. It may not seem to come immediately, and we may not feel like we are forgiven. But over time, we will learn how to forgive our ourselves and accept our Father in Heaven's forgiveness. Because He loves us, forgiveness will always follow sincere, honest repentance. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, you can always come back and partake of the peace that comes from the repentance and forgiveness. Repentance is a positive, happy process that brings intense relief. Confession is one of the great relievers. 
when you confess your sins in one to one with proper authority like a bishop, you will feel the weight of your sins being lifted. At least in part, it feels so wonderful. If you want to feel better, seek out and talk to an LDS bishop. A natural consequence of repentance is baptism. Baptism is our first covenant. A covenant is an agreement or accord between God and us, with terms established and laid out by God. Preach My Gospel says, quote, Covenants place us under a strong obligation to honor our commitments to God. To keep our covenants, we must give up activities or interests that prevent us from honoring those covenants. For example, we, should, we give up shopping and recreational pursuits on Sunday so we can keep the Sabbath day holy. We should desire to receive worthily the covenants that God offers us and strive to keep them. Our covenants remind us that to repent every day of our lives. By keeping the commandments and serving others, we receive and retain a remission of our sins. Remission is an interesting word. It means the cancellation of a debt, charge, or penalty. But it can also mean a diminution of the seriousness or intensity of disease or pain. Both of these apply to the remission of sins. When we are baptized, we receive a cancellation of our spiritual debt we have accumulated. We can also become healed of the disease of sin. Naaman the Armenian was a commander of a Syrian army during the ministry of the Old Testament prophet Elisha. Naaman was a leper. He had heard of the miracles of Elisha and decided to seek out the prophet. Elisha sent his apprentice to meet with the commander, to meet the commander with instructions that Naaman submerged himself in the river Jordan seven times. Naaman humbled himself and did as the prophet's apprentice directed. He dipped himself in the muddy water seven times. When he arose out of the water the seventh time, he found that his leprosy had been healed. Similarly, Jesus Christ sought out John the Baptist to be baptized in the Jordan River. Christ was perfect and he didn't need to receive remission of his sins because he didn't have any. He was baptized to be an example for us. He knew that only John the Baptist could have the proper authority, priesthood, and or priesthood to baptize. They went to the River Jordan because they knew that only that knew for baptism to be valid, it must be by immersion. Jesus Christ needed to go all the way under the water so he could rise up out of the water. Finally, when Christ was baptized, the Holy Ghost descended in the form of a dove. When we are baptized, it is not complete without the gift of the Holy Ghost. Without this, we cannot truly be totally clean. When baptism washes away our sins, the gift of the Holy Ghost purifies or sanctifies you. When Jesus Christ was on the earth, he promised to his disciples that the Holy Ghost, or Comforter, would come among them after Christ was gone. John 14.26 reads, but the, quote, but the Comforter, which is, Jesus, which, is Holy, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. End quote. This promise was fulfilled on the day of the Pentecost, when Peter addressed a large crowd. The Holy Ghost filled everyone there and gave them the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues, so everyone in the crowd could understand what Peter was saying. The apostles received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it transformed them. They would go on to give the gift of the Holy Ghost to those who were baptized. The bestowal of the Holy Ghost happens in an ordinance called Confirmation, as it confirms the baptism previously performed. Confirmation is, a, is performed by the laying on of hands, or through hands laid on the head of the receiver. It is in the same way that Joseph Smith received the priesthood, authorizing him to bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost on others. Even today, the laying on of hands is still used to pass on the priesthood and the gift of the Holy Ghost. To quote from the missionary pamphlet, The Gospel of Jesus Christ, quote, All good people can feel the influence of the Holy Ghost, but only those who are baptized and who receive the Holy Ghost 
have the right to, to his constant companionship throughout life. The Holy Ghost helps you in difficult times and guides you in making decisions. You can feel God's love and influence in your daily life through the Holy Ghost. End quote. In order to maintain the gift of the Holy Ghost, one must be worthy. The Holy Ghost can only dwell with, with us as long as we are righteous, obedient to the, to the gospel, and keep the commandments. If you lose the companionship of the Holy Ghost, you can regain it through sincere repentance, and sometimes, if you stray too far, through a renewed baptism. After we are baptized and confirmed, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, we must endure to the end. Part of enduring to the end is taking the sacrament every week. The sacrament was instituted by Jesus Christ during his last supper with his apostles. And as they were eating, quote, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my the blood of my New Testament, which is shed for those, shed for many, of the remission of sins. End quote. Matthew twenty six twenty six through twenty eight. Another translation changes New Testament to New Covenant. When we take the sacrament, we are renewing our covenants, including the ones made at baptism. Because we renew our baptismal covenants, we can become clean again through taking the sacrament. Every week, we have the opportunity to renew our souls and cleanse them of sins and mistakes we made throughout the week. This can only happen through faith and sincere repentance. Enduring to the end is a lifelong endeavor. The Apostle Paul in Hebrews 12.1 said, Let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, let, and let us run with patience the race which is set before us. End quote. In the race of life, we must be patient, have faith, and always repent in order to fully endure to the end. One must keep the commandments and receive all the ordinances of the gospel, and obey the laws of God. Next time, we will discuss the major commandments that Latter-day Saints are to abide by. This will be the second-to-last podcast, second-to-last episode in the What We Believe mini-series. I'm working on getting the podcast on Spotify, and it is now on Stitcher. Remember that we are on iTunes and Google Play. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page and our blog, www.mhistorypod.com. If you have any questions, shoot me a message on Facebook via the Mormon History Podcast. Also, feel free to email me at mhistorypod at gmail.com for comments and questions. Also, please leave a rating on whatever app you're using. Thanks again. This has been the Mormon History Podcast.